I've never had your job. I've never wanted it. You're in their country. Learn to speak the language. You don't talk that way. I don't need to. And honestly, you've never listened to a word I've said. You want to be taken seriously? Stop dressing like a little girl. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of A Thing Like That, a podcast about Mad Men. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Levito. And I'm your other host, Kathleen Levito. And we're here to talk about Season 2, Episode 6, Maiden Form. Any, uh, any, any first thoughts about this episode, Kathleen? Um, I enjoy this one. I think it's like a little, like... I don't know how to describe, like, just a little, like, you see, like, through the back door, I feel like. You get a little bit more of, like, it's less about, like, the plot and more about, like, the, like, interactions that happen. Or, like, the things that people have hidden mm-hmm. from the plot line. It's a rich text. Yes. And it's very it's much text. about the characters in their lives, which I yeah. feel like a lot of the show's about. But I feel like this one, it hits on, like, a lot. It covers yeah. a lot of ground. Um, so yeah, let's get right into it and tell you what happened in this episode of Mad Men. We open with shots of Betty, Peggy, and Joan getting ready in front of the mirror. Oh, love um, that scene. Like, on... love it. Love it. Love even, it. Even, this, even the December song? No. I don't remember the December song. <laughs> it's a soundtrack to December song, which is, Decembers are fine, but like, it's just weird to have that in like a show set in the 60s. Yeah, I don't. I feel like they just put the wrong song in. But anyway. But you like that scene. I do. I love that scene. Ugh. It's just so fun to, like, see everyone else's little, like, how they get ready. Everyone does their own little, like, has their own little ritual. And then you get to see the characters through their clothing. Mm-hmm. And, like, the the types of things that they put on and the order in which they put it on and the way <clears throat> in which they put it on. Like, the colors of the clothing and of their backgrounds and everything like that and of their makeup. It's just, like, oh, love it. Yeah, very personal, very yeah. intimate. Um, well, speaking of personal intimate, there's a meeting at Stern Crew about Playtex, a women's underwear company who they have an account for. Um, they're jealous of Maiden Form, another underwear company's ad campaign. Um, theirs is practical and focuses on comfort, whereas uh, Maiden Form's focuses on sort of like the dream of being a beautiful woman. I just bit my tongue right there. Um, <laughs> after the meeting, Duck's family shows up, somewhat impromptu, which includes his ex-wife and his two kids and their Irish setter, Chauncey. Um, his ex-wife leaves the kids with Duck after a tense and awkward moment um, where she kind of implies that she still thinks Duck is drinking. Um, Duck's trying to get the kids all pumped up to have fun in the city, um, but they're also very clearly uncomfortable. Uh, Freddie comes up and tells Duck that they're going to need more bras to kick off a new ad campaign. Uh, Pete, Peggy, and Sal are meeting about the Clearasil campaign. Peggy suggests having the kids having an ad featuring kids whose skins are cleared from Clearasil go out on a date. Peggy tells it like a story. Pete pushes a thanks Clarissa tagline, which Peggy's not super wild about. Next day is Memorial Day, which, fun fact, did not always used to be a Monday. It used to be like a set date. So you would just have Memorial uh, Day in the middle of a week, which is why they go to work like the next day. I didn't even pay attention to that. Yeah. I just like assume that like, for some reason, like timelines never really make sense to me in the show. So I just assume that it makes no yeah. sense. <laughs> like I assume they live in a different world with a different like calendar. The Mad Men cinematic universe. Yeah. Um, so next day is Memorial Day. Like I said, it used to always be on May 30th. Um, anyway, Don and Betty are guests of the Pattersons at a country club. 
uh, for the club's ribs and fashion so afternoon. Which uh, is like two of the most yeah. polar opposite things. <laughs> yeah, the people with the clothes have just got to be like, stay away from the yeah. ribs as much as possible. Um, Don and his friend Crab uh, talk about um, gold and they talk about public relations. Crab is a PR man. And it turns out that he was hired by the CIA to promote the idea of revolution in Cuba, which all kind of went to crap during the Bay of, failed Bay of Pigs invasion. Um, Marcy, Betty's, uh, or Crab's wife, um, ta- just talks about how she's afraid of a power outage will make Sing Sing prison's gates open, which they live near. Um, and Crab talks about how he's building a bomb shelter. <laughs> Arthur, Betty's friend at the stables, who was last seen trying to kiss Betty, um, comes up to Betty and they start talking. Um, Arthur is like, oh, I've noticed you've gone, you, you, you've been gone from the stables, I'll leave you alone. And she's like, no, no, it's fine, we can be friends. But then her kids run up, which makes them both visibly uncomfortable. Uh, the annual Ribs and Fashion Show kicks off with an honoring of the war veterans in the room, including a Spanish-American war veteran, a Rough Rider, um, who had, would have had to be like 100, anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, Don stands up to a round of applause. Betty and Sally look at him, ador- up, at, up at him adoringly, very proud. The bikini fashion show begins. Don dips ostensibly to go back to the office, but instead calls Bobby at a hotel, uh, trying to figure out when they should get together. Turns out she's actually spending the day with her 18-year-old son, who Don had no idea existed. She invites him to come to the beach house they never went to after the crash from last episode. Um, Don goes home alone since he can't go back to the fashion show because he clearly lied about where he was going and he just kind of like hangs out all depressed. Um, at the Campbells' apartment, Pete, Bud, Judy, and Trudy joke about how little their mother cares about Pete. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pete says he won't take a vacation because he's too important to the agency. Uh, the next day at Sterling Cooper, Pete and Peggy have an awkward conversation in the morning where Pete tries to sell her on the Vanks computer cell line a little bit more. She politely kicks him out of her office. Um, Roger, who's becoming more and more interested in Jane, Don's secretary, tells Don and Duck they have to make peace. Duck talks with his kids in his office and finds out his ex-wife is getting remarried and that her new husband is allergic to dogs, so part of the reason for their visit is to say goodbye to Chauncey. In another Playtech meeting, a Playtech meeting, Paul pitches an idea he came up with at a bar with the dudes. He claims that either that any woman is either a Jackie, as in Jackie Kennedy, or Marilyn, as in Marilyn Monroe. Um, Don likes the idea, um, but this kind of crowds Peggy out of her account. She was on the Playtex account. And now Paul's getting added to it, and she just kind of credited out, and also left out because she wasn't at the bar with everyone that came up with this idea. Um, Duck comes in with Chauncey and invites Don to lunch. Peggy confronts Freddie about how she wasn't included in the night out. Don goes to Duck's office and basically tells him he doesn't want lunch. Duck tries to apologize for the American Airlines debacle. Don isn't really buying it. Duck is embarrassed, but they both agree to move forward. Later in the day, Don and Bobby are in bed. She reveals she has a daughter at Sarah Lawrence College who's in a play which she has to go see, invites him to stay in their room while she goes out. Uh, Peggy finds out that the Jackie Marilyn casting is happening without her knowledge, which annoys her since it's basically being played off like a peep show. Uh, She gets invited to participate, but she backs away. Pete and Duck talk about dogs, and Pete ends up in the elevator with one of the rejected models from the Playtex ad. They flirt, go back to her apartment. Turns out she lives with her mother, and they kind of do their thing. Pete comes home and looks at himself in the mirror. Next day, Don comes home to find Betty in a bikini, which he admonishes her for, calling it desperate. At Sterling Cooper, Peggy approaches Joan to talk about her struggles with Playtex and her being excluded. Joan says she doesn't really know how to deal with men the way that Peggy wants to, but does tell her to stop dressing like a little girl. Sterling Cooper presents the Playtex. Everybody likes the art, of course, um, which emphasizes two sides of every woman. 
they talk about how women want to be seen by men, but Playtex decides not to go up the ad, but Ken invites him out to a burlesque club, which Peggy overhears, as does Pete, um, who's not part of the account, but he gets invited anyway. Duck sneaks into someone's office, sends them on a mission, then goes for a bottle of booze and smells it, almost drinking it, but then when he sees Chauncey looking at him, he puts the drink down, Duck brings him down the stairs and unleashes him outside and walks away. As Stony Brooke, Don, and Bobby are hooking up, she keeps talking, which Don doesn't like, he ties her up. She talks about how she wants the quote, Don Draper treatment, revealing he has a reputation with the women in Braun Town, which angers him. He ties her up both of her wrists and leaves her there. Um, at the Tom Tom Club, everybody is watching the strip tees, and then Peggy shows up in a low-cut dress and made up. Everybody's pretty excited. The client makes her sit on his lap. Pete and Peggy share some glances. Pete looks better, and she starts to look uncomfortable. The next morning, Don gets ready to shave, and Sally comes in to watch him, gazing up him as she did in the country club. Sally says she won't talk since she doesn't want him to cut himself. Don realizes the parallels between that Bobby situation and Sally's situation. He can't look himself anymore, tells Sally to leave, sits forlornly on the toilet, and we see his reflection in the, in the closet door mirror as the camera begins to pull out. What's our theme for this episode, Kathleen? I'm going to butcher it. Uh Self-identification? Self-definition. Self-definition. And any, any first thoughts as to how, you know. I think you get, like, we were talking <clears> about <throat> this, like, uh, before that this is an episode of, like, rich text. Hmm. And I think it's because the way that we've come to know the characters, like, on their surface level, this is how they present to others of their, like, um, uh, like their colleagues, I guess is the right word. Mm. Um, their chums. Um, their peers. Their peers, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, is not like the full story. So it's like how you define yourself and how you present yourself versus like your actual reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, there's a lot of push and pull between people trying to define themselves but also getting boxed into the corners that other people are painting yeah. for them. Like I think a great one is... Um, to like kick it off is um well i mean i think when you see the three women getting ready right, at the beginning yeah, it's yeah. like how they're getting ready to present themselves and what role they want to play mm-hmm. and they're building that role through their clothing mm-hmm. and then i mean like joe not so much but everybody like peggy and betty you see them kind of get torn down a little bit like mm-hmm. uh betty for instance is with like the young man her friend was arthur that's yeah, his name. Arthur. And they're, like, clearly flirting, and she's clearly having a time, like, oh, like, you know, we can tell that Betty's been a flirt in her life, mm-hmm. and she's, like, you know, the glamorous friend and everything like that. And then her kids run up, and she's just, like, oh, shit, like, <laughs> I can't, like, live this anymore. I right, don't live right. this anymore. Like, mm-hmm. this is awkward, and I can't just socialize with my friends. I have to take care of my children mm-hmm. as well. Not yeah. that she does a good job of it, but, you know. Right, yeah. Her her stuff her her identity is taken out of her hands when yeah. the kids run up because now Arthur can't help but think of her as a mother. Yeah, which I assume he knew she had kids. I feel like it must have come up in conversation. It probably did, but it probably is like a verse of knowing versus seeing thing. Right, right. You know. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So I think we get a lot of that. There's a lot of people looking at mirrors in this episode. Um, I think especially about Pete, who like you know. Pete's whole thing is he's trying to turn himself into Don. He's trying to turn himself into a ladies' man. Um, the thing is, like, he really forces it a lot, and he's not very good at it, and people don't like him. Yeah. Uh, so when he does his off of the model in the elevator, he kind of sees this as an opportunity to seize the moment and redefine who he is and how he lives his life. And you kind of get that 
when you don't kind of get that, you really get that when he comes home and he stares at himself in the mirror, right? That's his moment where he, he gets to look at himself and, and, you know, kind of wonder, like, is this the person I want to be? And I, I think we're left with the conclusion that, like, yeah, he's actually very Yeah, he looks a little, this. like, smug. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, the, the other big mirror's motif is, of, fast forwarding to the end a little bit, when, when Don is shaving, um, and, and Sally says the bit about not talking, like, he, he can't look at himself. He can't yeah. look at what he's realized he's made himself become. Uh, and so he sits down and avoids the mirror, but of course as the camera pulls out, we see his reflection in like the closet door. So no matter how much you want to run away from what you think you look like and what you think you are, you know, you, you really can't. Like other people are going to have a perception of you no matter what. Um, and you are going to reflect in some way no matter what. Yeah. I think this idea of sort of like your impression or your identity not ever going away and you only have so much power um, has a lot to do with Duck too, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's like, He's clean. He's like, I don't, um, she, she, his, his ex-wife makes some mention of him, uh, sort of like, you know, never, it, it being the early afternoon, never stopping him from having a drink before. And he's like, I don't do that anymore, but he can't really convince her that he doesn't because that's yeah. just kind of how she sees him. And that's what makes it so painful when he sort of almost drinks and then Chauncey looks up, up at him. You know, he doesn't want his dog to see him as this drunk guy and this depressed guy. And so he thinks it's for whatever reason, less painful to just leave him wandering the streets of Madison Avenue and, and not, not see him again. He, he can't, he, he doesn't want someone, you can almost see, you know, this is extrapolating a lot and never really addressed on the show, but so you can almost see that, like, he's like, I've disappointed my wife, I've disappointed my children, I can't disappoint this dog too, I have to save him from this. Yeah. And that's why he casts him out. It's depressing. Um... Pete, I mean, even going back to the dog and, like, the lighter end of it, like, when Pete first sees Chauncey, he thinks Chauncey is a girl. Yeah. Um, and he literally is like, oh, gee, I yeah. thought she, like, yeah. he was a girl. Like, it was the weirdest line. <laughs> yeah. So dogs who, of course, are not, you know, uh, they, they they can't speak. <laughs> you know, they, they literally can't identify itself, identify themselves. Um, but also when he's talking, he's like, oh, I've been thinking about a dog for the office because he says because it makes us look more easygoing. Referring to the office in general, and then at least the humorous from duck is like, "Oh, what dog do you have?" He's like, "Oh no, I'm going to get a dog." For yeah. this. he's like, "Are you sure?" Um, but you know, it's like how 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 Pete wants the office to come off as is more easygoing, not not so straight laced and sort yeah. of like you know the Burt Cooper Republican of it all. Um, the Mister and Mrs. Fresh Face. I mean, it's literally people looking in a mirror, sort of like you know. Uh, checking out their faces and you know I'm not defined by my acne anymore yeah, um, yeah it, which is literally a way that acne co- commercials still sell products right, where they're yeah, like yeah. I don't want someone to look at my face and only see yeah. my pimple like yeah. which is interesting that it's like they pulled on like a real trope for that yeah they, they may have originated it for all you know um, um, I think also going back to jumping around a little bit, but jumping back to Pete mm. and comparing him to Don and saying that Pete wants to be like Don, he wants to be a ladies' man. It's funny that the woman he chooses to go home with is not like a um, Bobby Barrett kind of person. Mm. She's not powerful and has like a glamorous lifestyle. Like she looks beautiful because she's a model, but she comes home to a small apartment that she shares with her mother. Mm. So it's just funny too. Like I don't think Pete saw it that way, but it's like he's trying to be this like vision of his ideal, 
and he is even like lowballing it. You know, he's not he's mm-hmm. not attaining that. Right. I I never thought about that before. Where it's like you think of the three sort of women Don has been having an affair with up to this point in the show. You have Midge, who is essentially self-employed. She's an artist and maybe not powerful, but she has power over herself. She's I would say like she's free. She's free. Um, you have Rachel, who is essentially runs her father's company, and then you have Bobby, who runs uh, her husband's career. Um, so there's it's more than just like a baseline attractiveness that Don is attracted to. Um, there's also the idea of like power and like you said, freedom. And I think yeah. that's Don's big thing is he doesn't feel free. Yeah, he feels confined. Um, it's inside. Did I not think about that? It's very insightful. Um, um, and I think, oh gosh, maybe I just lost that thought. Um, but I also think it speaks to like their character a little bit too, mm-hmm. where Don is constantly reaching for a world that he wants but doesn't have. Again, mm-hmm. he wants that freedom. He wants that ability to just like, you know, also like none of, I mean, like Bobby, you learn has children, but she doesn't seem tied down by them. Mm-hmm. Like Midge didn't have children. Um, and then what was her other name? Rachel didn't have mm-hmm. children. So it's like, he's looking for this like more, I don't know, glamorous, but high class, this world where he's like alone from like actual yeah. responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, where Pete is actually like targeting people who have less power than yeah. him. Like it's literally someone who came in for, for his like audition. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like targeting people who will like, uh, will be impressed by his success right. not necessarily like his charm or his yeah. suave or whatever he he like wants to be in control and he wants the power right it's yeah. a power dynamic thing yeah whereas you know i think just because of the era and you know it's still true today but the era and the gender dynamics like don there is certainly a power dynamic in his relationships but he like we talked about he does go after women who are like kind of free and independent yeah and who are very he's he's not you know, we see Pete basically intimidating women into going home with him and things like that. Whereas it's not the case with Don. Yeah, they're they're all they're very much making a choice. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Also, speaking of women, <laughs> um, you know, I think we, we, you kind of mentioned this earlier, but it's like not only does Betty Betty wants to define herself as more than just the mother of her kids, and that's what makes it so uncomfortable when they should run up to her at the fashion show and ribs mm-hmm. lunch. But Bobby's kind of the same way, right? Like she's been seeing don for like a little while now and she's never told him that she has at least two kids like who knows how many kids she actually yeah. has um so they both try to find themselves as like more than mothers but like they can't keep that a secret forever and once it comes out they, that's kind of like not under control anymore. yeah i think you also see the difference in character between them based on how they how they like respond to their kids being mm-hmm. mentioned where bobby's like oh yeah i have a, like a son mm-hmm. like no big deal and then Betty's very much just like, oh, God, like, why are they here? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, in, you know, Betty, I think part of it is, like, she still wants to believe that she's young. Yeah. That's uh, part of, like, why she buys the bikini. Um, and she thinks it's really great and Don's really going to like it, but he doesn't like it. He thinks it makes her look desperate, and that kind of takes the power of her self-identification away from her. I think we've all kind of probably at a moment where like we wore something we thought was really cool or you tried to affect something that we thought was really cool and then someone's like what the hell are you doing this is really stupid mm-hmm. um and it's deflating and, and and it sucks and i think you get it's a little more serious in this case but like you you get you get kind of that feeling where it's um he wants her to be a mother basically yeah um he doesn't really want her to be like a sec like he doesn't want to be he don't want to be jackie or marilyn i guess yeah. he wants to be more jackie than marilyn and I'd say she probably is more Jackie than Marilyn 
in some ways. Um, anyway, uh, but speaking of Jackie and Marilyn, like that's the that that this it, that becomes like this really big revolving door of like identity and who's determined identity and all of that, yeah. right? Because this is all very clearly men's projections of what they think women want and their projection of what they think or what they think women want to be. Yeah. And that's all based on what they want women to be. So they assume that women want them to be what they want them to be. Yeah. Um, and Peggy, of course, pushes against that. She's like, when they're doing the Jackie Marilyn thing. And they're like literally going through jobs like, Jackie Marilyn, Jackie Marilyn. She's like, well, what am I? And she's like, oh, you're, you're, they, they call her like classical and Hellenic. And yeah. Irene Dunn, right? Oh, Gertrude Stein first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, she, she, doesn't, she doesn't count as a as a woman basically um which you know kind of she's trying to straddle this line right it makes it even more difficult right where she is very much a woman she wants to be a woman but she also wants to do the work the men do yeah and that's a big part of her conversation with joan she's like well stop dressing like a little girl she doesn't think she's dressing like a little girl she thinks she's dressing like she's supposed to um that's why she kind of gets more made up and goes out um but yeah this whole thing is like identity where it's like you know it, it leads into this like philosophical thought of like who did like why why do why do we try to be what we want to be? Yeah. Or do we do it for ourselves? Do we do it for other people? Do we think we're doing it for ourselves, but really for other people? Um, are people more attracted to people who do things when they're not trying to gain attention? Or are they more attracted when they are trying to gain attention? It's this really whole like messy thing that's just kind of I, I find very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything else on Jackie and Marilyn? Um No. Okay. Um well, even in, in, I mean, I think it's interesting that, like, at the end of the day, the um, the company Playtex decides not to go with the campaign. Because mm-hmm. they're like, that's actually not who we are. Yeah. That's not, like, yeah. this is glamorous and nice, but we're not known for being glamorous and nice. Like, people buy our products because they're reliable, mm-hmm. and we want to be reliable. Exactly, yeah. And, yeah, that's them trying. They have pretty much complete control over their self-identity because um, they get to tell strong people what to do. Uh, I do think it's interesting that the whole two sides to every woman thing is that in a way, even though this the whole conceit is built on like men's expectation of women, it still gives them a choice, right? Yeah. It's like, well, you can be either one of the two. You're only one of the two, but you can be, be either, either one. And since this, we're using the same model on both shots, you can be both depending on the day, right? So there is some choice in there, but is it really a choice? Who knows? Um... When you know, I think part of Don, the reason Don gets so angry at Bobby, um, is because he realizes he doesn't have. We talked about this with the mirror. He realizes he doesn't have control over his self-image. You know, he thinks that he's kind of a tortured artist in a way. Um, that he's this this prof- this this sort of like deep. Not he he's deep because he isn't deep. I think is what he thinks. Where it's like he's very nihilistic mm-hmm. and he thinks that makes him smarter than everybody and that he gets the world better. Um, but uh, as I, I kind of wrote my notes, he, um, he he thinks he's like this like deep sad boy, but he's actually just kind of like a slut basically, yeah. right? Like he just sleeps around to fill the emptiness in his life and he thinks that makes him kind of tortured and interesting, but it doesn't. And I think it's a fun twist, I think, because I feel like you get a lot of it in like pop culture or even just like in like societal culture, like you get a lot of like, 
women, female tropes about that. Like, Mm. oh, she has, like, daddy issues or Mm. she's, like, been hurt before, so that's why she does that. It's a very, like, female thing to be, like, the slut Mm. and to sleep around and, like, people feeling bad for her because, oh, something must have gone on in her life. Mm. But it's, like, an interesting dynamic where it's, like, someone like a man who's been traditionally in power doing it Mm -hmm. and then realizing like, Oh, this does not come off the way that I thought it did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he loses. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, I think if you're watching this show up until this point, you assume he has the power in all these interactions and you're like, like he does, but at the same time, he has not the power over his reputation and things people say about him. And that's kind of a wake up call. He's in control in really most aspects of his life. He gets away with a lot in terms of Betty, right? Yeah. He's very absent and very negligent. But she, at, up until this point, doesn't really call him on it. But then, you know, he does get. This is like the first time we see him get, like, called out for being uh, less than he thinks he is. Um, and part of that, part of the reason I think it's so shocking and hard for him to accept is that, like, he performed the ultimate <laughs> act of self definition when he changed his name and stole someone else's identity yeah. and created a new life for himself. Um, and even though he knows how that kind of makes him, people are defining him as a hero at the at the lunch. They're looking at him adoringly. He's a Korean War veteran. He served his country great. They don't actually know what happened. He, he hoodwinked all of them. Yeah. Even though he might not be incredibly comfortable standing up there, he, he's not going to tell him not to do it. He, he's, he's comfortable enough with it. Um or at least he knows that it's the role he should be playing in order to maintain yeah. the perception he wants. Exactly, right. Yeah. He, he knows how to play the self-definition game, which makes him such a good advertiser. <laughs> um, smaller things, uh, he's talking to a PR guy at a, um, the, 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 the Crabs of PR guy, like literally someone who is hired to define someone else and define an image and make sure that they get the image they want across. Um and then also, there's there's a Rough Rider there, and they're talking about Bay of Pigs, and Maslor cites in uh, Mad Men Carol, so talks about how it's like two different two different eras of American imperialism that were trying to define Cuba. Mm. Cuba wanted to be one way, and then Americans were trying to make them be a different way. Um, yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, this whole show, what are advertising companies but things that people hire to try and define themselves? Give them identity. Tell them what they are, right? Um and you see the biggest point of tension between clients and, and, and creative is when the clients come in with an idea of what they think they are. And then creative tells them, no, you're not this, you're actually that. Mm-hmm. And we have research to back it up and we know how to make it better. Um, that's distressing, right? You have an image of yourself that you want to put out in the world that you think you have. And then when someone tells you that's not the case and you have to change, that sucks. You don't like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else on this theme of self-definition? Um... I don't think so. I think we covered a lot. Yeah, we covered a lot. We can move on to our awards then. Yeah. All right. Starting with our Pete Campbell Memorial Worst of the Week. Who do you got? Duck. Oh, okay. For letting the doggy go. That's that's not a bad. It's not a bad choice. Yeah, it's very sad. It is. Yeah. I don't like that scene. I believe that the dog is because she's so like pretty and or he is so pretty. Obviously well maintained. I am sure that quickly another owner took yeah. care of the doggy. Um, this is also fictional, but 
Plus, it's, 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 you know, it wasn't in the middle of nowhere. It was Madison Avenue. Yeah. Like, someone's like, going to see it. There's, like, so many people are going to see it. It's a and nice part like, of New York. This is a gorgeous dog. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to take this dog home. Exactly right. Um, I, w- I wish Chauncey came back later in the season. Yeah. Like, someone was like, oh, yeah, I got a new... Like, I wish that... Um, like, Pete found I, Yeah, I wish Pete took, took, <laughs> took him home. Pete, I feel like, needs a dog. If Pete needs a dog. I feel like he'd be way happier if he had a oh, dog. Oh, for sure. He, he needs unconditional affection and... Um, like non-judgmental affection. It's like not to like pull in another show, but in Frasier, mm-hmm. when Niles gets the bird, the parrot, <laughs> like it's what it feels like to me. It's mm-hmm. like he needs a companion. Right, right, yeah. Um, I, I, I had Pete as the worst. I mean, yeah, because he's just very stoked that he went home with this model and all of that, and yeah, so that's all I really had. Yeah, I feel well, like that was the- my like that was my initial thought, and then I was like. Pete's always the worst. Let's yeah, go to someone exactly. else. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like this is like the third week in a row I picked Pete. So, um, anyway, our Roger's trying a moral quote of the week. Do you have a different one than Melania? No. Okay. So, another <laughs> ad. The the country club for the rims thing. Uh, the this like MC gets up and announcing. You know, he's like, oh, you know, we always on World Day we always have our annual ribs, you know, and fashion show, and you know, we're gonna have some fun. But then he goes. <clears throat> this is not to dim our resolute admiration for the fortitude of those who have so nobly served our country, many of whom will not be enjoying ribs this afternoon. <laughs> Which, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, that's nice, but it's like, oh, that's a weird way to phrase yeah. it. Like, very, very specific on the ribs. This is specifically what they will be enjoying. But he's not wrong, I guess. Um, okay, move on to foreshadowing. So good. It's great. I feel like this is where it hits its comedic stride. Like, yeah. I feel like that's... I, Mad Men's a very funny show, um, but I feel like in the first few episodes, like, I've struggled to find, like, a best quote, but like, I feel like this is one where it's just like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is where it starts, and you get some better lines. Um, okay. Foreshadowing. Roger and Jane thing continues. Yeah. Yep. Roger and Jane continues. Um, I had when they're doing the fashion show, uh, the MC makes reference to the beaches of California, mm. which is you know, I believe he goes John goes to California in this season for the first time, and that becomes like he, he views California as like you know, font of freedom and, yeah. and whatever. He really likes it. Um, Someone says L.A., that's far away. I forget who. I didn't write down who, but someone says it. Um, it's like, yeah, that's literally the Oh, no, no. I, so I, I wrote down what it is. Okay. Um, it's when, when, when Don calls uh, Bobby, and he's like, oh, where's, uh, what's her husband's name? Uh, Jimmy. Jimmy. She's like, where is he? And she goes, oh, he's in Beverly Hills. And he goes, ah, oh, L.A., that's far away. And he's like, ah, oh, foreshadowing. He'll go to L.A. And she goes, no, Beverly Hills, Kentucky. <laughs> and then uh, it's next season when Roger, uh, I believe, is married to Jane. Yeah, because they get married in between seasons. Um, when he's married to Jane and they have like, a Kentucky Derby party. And he's in, like, blackface. 
singing to her. I do not remember um, that. Singing My Old Kentucky Home, I think. Anyway, so there's that. Um, there's the mentions of Cuba. Of course, this season will end on an episode about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, and then I had this one was interesting is that when he ties up Bobby in the hotel room, he just kind of like leaves her there. Um, reminded me of later when he's having a fair with Rita. Yeah. Um, and he's sort of like, they do this weird... Like hostage. Hostage thing. game. And they get to, they like hook up in the middle of the day. And he's like, you, you're going to like stay here. And he tries to like sort of like do this weird domination thing that she doesn't really buy but it's kind of like the same thing like keep keep and like it's kind of the same thing when bobby goes to like the play where she's like oh like you can stay here if you want um yeah yeah cool that's all i have for foreshadowing okay right on any any final thoughts on this episode no, I like this one. There's, like, a lot to play with. There is, yeah. A lot to think about. Um, we, we, we learn a lot about Duck. Um, it, it sort of brings a resolution to the Bobby saga a little bit. It doesn't actually. Um, but I think this... I don't think they, they... She's in, like, one or two other episodes. I don't know. I don't know either. I can't stand her. I, I, and I, always feel, I always feel like that happened like later in the season, but I guess it doesn't. Ooh. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening. Um, my name is Mike Levito. You can find me on Twitter at mlevito and on Letterboxd at Amerimike. My name is Kathleen Levito. You can now find me on two places on Instagram, branching out. Mm. Um, Rice the Sun, as always, that's more like photography-esque pictures and poetry and then parody of a queen is just like everyday fashion and just like silly stuff parody as in like a parody or parody as in like parody p-a-r-o-d-y yeah okay interesting yeah why because i realized like when i get dressed i'm like this is i'm literally just a parody of myself like (laughs) so um and then queen is like beauty queen kind of thing Mm -hmm. So I just realized, like, the amount of leopard print I own <laughs> is comical. Mm. Truly. And I will wear, like, three pieces at once. And I'm like, this is not a real person. This is, like, a parody of me. Mm. So it's just a, just a play of stuff. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find both of us on thepostwriter.com. We write there. I have a piece I have to finish tonight. Send you to, to you for editing. Um, you can also find our podcast there. You can also find our podcast on Spotify. Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, um, not really on SoundCloud anymore. Um, you can also listen to our other podcasts, Real Life Oscar Challenge, which we do with my roommate. And also on, now you can find me on another podcast with my roommate called Running Mates, where we talk about vice presidents. Very exciting and not nerdy at all. Um, but anyway. None of this is. No, none of it. None of it at all. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, and uh, this Memorial Day, enjoy some ribs, but don't ever let it dim your resolute admiration for those who served our country.